Welcome to this edition of Leaders Corner, a podcast dedicated to bringing you the voices of Army Reserve leadership in a way that's engaging, vibrant, and informational. I'm your host, Sergeant First Class Jeremiah Richardson. Listen, folks, this past year has been difficult. Many of us have struggled with COVID, and others have struggled to take care of us while we recover. Many have been unemployed or shuttered in their homes trying to make life work. And some of us in the Army Reserve have had the privilege to be on the front line in this mess. Our medical personnel have assisted civilian hospitals. Our logistics personnel have ensured we could get them there. And our plans and operations folks are the brilliance behind it all. Well, today we have one of those very special soldiers in for this podcast. He might actually be one of the most critical personnel during this most recent phase of the pandemic. His name is Major Chip Autry. Currently, he's a Joint Transportation Officer with the Army Reserve Element of European Command. He has been to Iraq and Kuwait multiple times as an infantry officer and a logistician. He has been a logistician for the last four years in the Army Reserve. He has degrees from the College of William & Mary and New York University. He's also from Johnson City, Tennessee, and currently, now listen closely, is Supply Chain Director at GlaxoSmithKline Consumer Healthcare. This looks like it will be the perfect fit sort of story. Major Autry, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you, Sergeant Richardson. It's good to be here. Now, this is all really amazing sounding stuff, and you sound kind of like a superhero, but I also hear you have a slight obsession with birds. I, I don't think that I have an obsession with birds, uh, uh, but I am a, a birder, which is um, I haven't met a lot of other birders in, in the military. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a fun activity my family and I enjoy, and We've um, participated in the World Series of Birding in New Jersey, where we live now the last uh, four years, I think we've done it. Wow. And uh, we're already registered to go again this May. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun thing to do. So your whole family gets involved. Absolutely. It's, it's for the whole family. That's really cool. That's really cool. I mean, do you have equipment for that or? Just binoculars. That's all you need in a, in a, in a book with, with a list of birds in it. It's, it's pretty easy. Sounds like a lot less equi- uh, equipment than you have necessarily for this job now, anyway. <laughs> exactly. Um, so for those of you who do not know, the Department of Defense has just completed a mission called Operation Warp Speed, which had to do with an accelerated vaccine rollout. Uh, Major Autry, you had something to do with that, didn't you? Uh, I did. Uh, so I, I joined the organization um, last November as a planner in the plan cell. Um, Operation Warp Speed uh, was the federal government's uh, attempt to accelerate the development, manufacturing, and distribution of a vaccine for the COVID-19 virus, uh, which we're all living through that pandemic right now. And uh, it's part of the whole of America approach to tackling it. And it's a a joint effort between the Department of Defense and Health and Human Services, especially CDC. Hmm. Now you say planner, like that's a pretty vague title. What does that entail? So I've been a bit of a jack of all trades uh, since I've joined Operation uh, Warp Speed. So the first month that I got here, we hadn't released uh, any emergency youth authorizations for any vaccines yet. So that was where I was heavily into planning, Um, especially we did a lot of tabletop exercises to work uh, with our 
our partners in industry, as well as our partners in the federal government to kind of role play what is this rollout going to look like once the emergency use authorizations are approved? And then also, how would we react to things going wrong? Um, I specifically led a series of four meetings uh, where we were briefing a, a major general on how we would respond to situations like power outages, causing problems with refrigerators, or uh, product uh, going above the temperature restrictions while in transit. Um, just basically, if something goes wrong, how would we react to it? And we tried to war game that out before it actually happened. So our response time would be a little quicker when it actually happened. Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense. You know, forward planning sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, that was the first month. Uh, mm-hmm. when we went into December and the emergency use authorizations got approved. Um, the plan cell augmented the vaccine operations center. We went to 24 hour operations. Mm-hmm. So um, I was into uh, operations for the month of December as we were um, starting to push vaccines out for the first time. And uh, since the new year, my focus has been on transition. Um, at some point, the DOD is going to get out of the vaccine business and hand this off to our HHS partners completely. That's really health and human services, what they focus on. So I've been uh, heavily involved in um, supporting that transition effort and making sure it's a seamless handoff between the DOD and health yeah. and human services. That sounds like a lot of hours. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's been a busy couple of months. <laughs> I imagine. With that in mind, like, like where, would you, where were you guys operating? So we operate out of the Health and Human Services building in Washington, D.C. Um, you can see the the Capitol from our rooftop. It's about um, half a mile away. Um, and uh, it's, it's you know, I was a government major in college. And every every government major kind of dreams of like working in D.C. at some point. And so I'm kind of scratching that itch with this role right now, living living in, in D.C. for this period. Nice. Nice. I want to take it back a little bit uh, more when you're talking about the interagency stuff. Sure. I'm looking, I'm looking at your bio and it seems like your civilian expertise had something to do with you being selected for that position. Can you talk to me a little bit about how you got that opportunity and what that interaction means? Yeah. So uh, I, I think that I was able to get this position because of what I do with, with GlaxoSmithKline, which is uh, a pharmaceutical company. And, um, you know, to be transparent, it is one of the companies that's working on a, um, a vaccine for COVID-19 and uh, hopes to go into third stage trials uh, this summer. I found out about this opportunity. I, I received an, an email that had the, the job posting. They were uh, recruiting three planners uh, for uh, Operation Warp Speed. I sent an email asking uh, for more information about it. I was curious and I actually received an email back from, from Forcecom saying the position had been filled. And then I had a phone call uh, three hours later and they said they'd, they'd read my resume and uh, wanted to know if I would still be interested in the position. And I, I said that I was. So I, I, I think that my experience in supply chain uh, with GlaxoSmithKline, uh, that experience combined with my experience previously at Unilever working in the ice cream department on their cold chain supply oh. chain, both of those really kind of lent those experiences to something I could support in the distribution planning here at Operation Warm Speeds, the, the two vaccines that have been approved so far both require uh, extensive um, refrigeration and, and, and freezer supply chains to move them. They have to be kept at very, very low temperatures. That, that's funny. I mean, the ice cream guy, I mean, you're not an ice cream man, but your experience in ice cream helped right. you with COVID. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I learned about the opportunity, I, I looked at what they were looking for. And I looked at my background as, as an army logistician and working in corporate supply chain. And I said, I, this, it's like this, this is <laughs> all, all the stars seem to line up that this was really a position I should be helping with. It's like a glove. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You feel like a glove. I mean, how, how cool is that? How often does it happen that 
your civilian background lines up with a national, what would be needed um, as a critical position in a national emergency. I mean, how did that make you feel to be a part of that? Uh, I was extremely proud to be a part of that, and I was uh, grateful for the opportunity to do it. Um, I hope, you know, you guys said, how often does this happen? I hope it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I hope, I hope I'm not needed for any more uh, yeah. Yeah. opportunities at a, a national strategic level, as it was explained to me when I was uh, interviewing for this position. But no, it's, it's a really cool feeling to know, even in a small way, that I'm, I'm really making a difference. Uh, me, me, like everybody else, has right. really taken a, a, a kick in the rear from COVID. Um, so any opportunity I can to, you know, turn around and, and, and beat that and hopefully at some point in the near future, get us back to a normal. Um, yeah. I, I felt, I felt compelled to take that opportunity. It also shows one of the unique things about the army reserve. And I've seen this in other um, career fields in the army as well, especially like the engineers where you might have a guy who owns his own construction company but he's a, sar- he's a sergeant or a specialist and he has so much expertise. They can't help but say, Hey, let's go listen to this guy. He knows what he's talking about. Right. Yeah. No, and you're I- right. That, that, that is a, a unique thing about both the, the army reserve and, and the national guard is you have a, a wealth of experiences that just aren't there in, um, in active duty. And sometimes that can be a real benefit to the mission. In this case, it was critical actually for the rollout for our nation, you know, the, the vaccine rollout. That's, <laughs> I'm sure they could have done it without me. Let's. let's <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah, I'm sure we would have found somebody, but you were just a great fit and perfect for for what was needed. Right? It was it was a good fit. Yeah, I agree. Yes. Yes. Um, so you know, you're talking about an awful lot of vaccines rolling out here. What do you know about how many vaccines we're talking about? Uh, I know exactly how many we're talking about. So oh, we are, okay. we, yeah, we're we're looking at, at six vaccines right now that that are all in the pipeline. Two have already received uh, emergency use use authorizations from the FDA. The FDA operates completely independently of what we're doing here, um, so they are independent of everything. And when they approve it, it's because the science backs up that that vaccine is ready to be approved and released and is safe for the public. So two were released in December. Um, we have an additional two vaccines that um, I think in the very near term uh, will be submitted for an emergency use authorization. And um, I'm very hopeful that they will both receive approval. And there is an additional two that um, are still in progress that um, should be coming later this year. Um, I'm very excited about the the Janssen vaccine that's coming out here shortly. Uh, it's a one-shot vaccine uh, instead of two shots, uh, like the, the the two current vaccines that we have on the market. And that's really going to help in our vaccination efforts and really speed up the process of, of uh, reaching herd immunity. Oh, yeah. And that's obviously what we're shooting for. Now, I want to ask you from your place, your position, obviously you can't speak for the DOD, so I'm going to ask your opinion. Sure. Like, why do you think the Department of Defense, and in your case, the Army, was needed in order to make this happen? Uh, the DOD led this this joint effort between HHS and, and, and the DOD because we bring a, a wealth of experience when it comes to uh, wide-scale logistics. So the DOD operates an enterprise around the globe with our, you know, our bases and our, and our troops um, all, over, all over the globe. Um, and we just have a, a very, very strong, robust uh, supply chain. Uh, which is what we needed to do. Again, our focus was on development, manufacturing, and distribution. Two out of those three are really related to supply chains, which uh, the Army does uh, supply chain very well. I know everyone, when they think about the Army, they think about uh, combat power. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the background, there is a pretty phenomenal supply chain going on to support all that. 
Um, I also want to stress that the DOD was brought in to be uh, additive to the effort to fight COVID, not to replace anything. Mm -hmm. Um, We, you know, the DOD was adding to the whole of America approach along with HHS, not Mm. to replace what was being done because um, HHS and and the CDC in particular are are absolutely critical to this effort. And uh, we could not do what we do uh, without them. They are the science experts on combating this pandemic. And we really rely on them for a lot of things. Yeah, those interagency relationships are are critical in these these national emergencies. And also, hey, we all remember, at least us enlisted on my side of the house, um, what it was like to be basically training and be lined up for vaccinations. So I I know (laughs) we're we're good at figuring that part out, how to hurt us through like cattle. So I'm sure bringing that experience to the fight really helps. And again, not speaking for uh, this organization and not speaking for the DOD, but just solely speaking as Major Autry. I highly encourage uh, every service member, uh, especially my brothers and sisters in the Army Reserve, to get your shot when you have the opportunity to do so. I um, I can't imagine like all the logistical challenges that needed to be overcome for this operation. Uh, you know, unprecedented, all those words. Can you briefly outline some of the hardest ones that you know of for those of us who don't speak logistics? Sure. Um, probably the biggest challenge uh, was around the uh, the cold chain. So a lot of people are familiar with the term supply chain, but uh, when you hear the term cold chain, that's really just doing everything that a normal supply chain does all while keeping something at uh, a frozen temperature, Mm. uh, which introduces additional challenges. Um, In particular, the Pfizer vaccine required super industrial freezers to keep it uh, cold enough and refrigerated enough, um, more than what you could do with the refrigerator in your home. Um, just um, very, very low temperatures required to uh, keep the Pfizer vaccine stable. So actually coordinating for um, all those freezers at the distribution sites, um, moving the product around for the Pfizer vaccine, the Pfizer actually developed a cardboard insulated box with dry ice that would keep the product at the correct temperature during shipping. Um, It doesn't sound very sexy, but it's a very, very important cardboard box, which is really... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> helped in the distribution of, of product uh, across the country and across the world. So the, the cold chain was a very challenging part of this. Um, another challenging part was the ancillary kits. Mm-hmm. So in addition to the vaccine going out, uh, we also needed to send out the uh, hypodermic needles, uh, the gloves, the, the, uh, the face masks, um, the alcohol wipes, everything that the uh, people doing the vaccinations would need to mm-hmm. actually support giving the vaccine. Um, And in some cases, um, that product is shipping from two different locations. Um, With the Moderna vaccine, uh, McKesson is handling all shipments. But with the Pfizer vaccine, products are being shipped by FedEx and um, UPS, while the ancillary kits are still being shipped by McKesson. And we have to make sure that when that Pfizer vaccine arrives at at the vaccination site, there's also a ancillary kit arriving at the same time. Because mm-hmm. if you have the vaccine, but you don't have the needles to inject it with, it doesn't do you a whole lot of good. So actually managing between those those three shippers, getting everything to show up at the right place at the right time um, has been quite a challenge. Oh, I'll bet. I'll bet. That makes a lot of sense because of all the moving parts and trying to get them to sync up, just like any any sort of mission that we run in the Army. Um, you, you can do all the planning in the world, but when, you, when the rubber meets the road, right, you find out not everything syncs up. Uh, this mission has taken a lot of your time. What does that cost you? So being on this mission has cost uh, uh, time for me. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's cost me time away from my family. Um, I actually just got back from uh, a deployment to Kuwait in March of, of 2020. So wasn't home quite a year uh, before I was um, put on full-time orders again. Um, it's also cost me time away from my civilian employer, um, GSK. Um, I'm very fortunate. GSK is a very supportive company and uh, has my back in this. I, I'm very lucky to have the support that I do from my civilian employer. And I, I, I recognize that not everybody is, is, is as lucky as I am in the reserves. Mm-hmm. I've, I've heard some horror stories. Um, but, um, I consider myself well-supported and, um, you know, I try to recognize them for what they do as well. Um, I've given my, my, my manager in the past, I've, um, nominated and she's received the Patriot award. Um, and I have, uh, nominated my employer for the, uh, the DOD freedom award, uh, this year, um, Hmm. just for, for all they do for, um, the reservists and national guard, uh, within their, within their company. This marriage between military and civilian careers you've just described is really hard to find. How do you manage to do it? Yeah, I'd say my civilian career and army career has followed similar lines of effort, I guess you could say. When I left active duty in uh, 2012, um, I did move from working in the army supply chain to working in corporate supply chain. And I was able to get a position in, in a corporate supply chain um, you know, world, uh, because of my army supply chain experience. So I kind of built upon what I already knew, um, having a supportive, uh, civilian employer is obviously a big part of it, but that involves building trust and always being transparent with them with what's going on and giving them enough notice when I'm going to miss work. Um, finding an army unit that does something I care about and, and has people that I enjoy working with is, is obviously important. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we put in a lot of hours. So if you're putting in hours on something you don't enjoy, it's, it's tougher to stay focused and, and, and perform well at it. Um, and, and obviously the, the biggest uh, key ingredient to me being successful has been the support of my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my, my wife has been with me since um, I was a, a lieutenant on active duty. Uh, she is a army wife through and through. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm extremely fortunate to have her and the support that she gives me. And, um, you know, I, I couldn't manage all this without without her um, having my back. Yeah, our families don't often get enough credit, especially for successful soldiers. Yeah, I agree. But they really are. Uh, if you're lucky enough to have a spouse who uh, is, is very supportive, it can make a, a world of difference. Yeah, I noticed that's. Um when I, when I talk to other soldiers and, and my young soldiers, when I've been a training NCO, the, the ones that have problems with their employers, I mean, there are lots of stories and lots of reasons, but there's something that's pretty consistent. You mentioned it, you know, that you did it. And that's that giving your employer enough notice. <laughs> and and uh, I, I do know that that doesn't always happen for army reasons, but then there's a lot of times where you can take the time to do that. It's, it's tough. Short, short notice stuff does come up for sure. Um, but I'm also, uh, you know, a, a manager and I, I do hire people within, within GSK for my team. Um, so I, I kind of know both sides of it, you know, being an employee and also being a manager. So yeah, I, I, I try to give as much notification as I can to my employer and, and, and build that trust. And also to share with them why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, it was obviously not easy to go back and ask them, uh, you know, to support me while I went back on orders less than a year and I got back after a, 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 a 10 month deployment. Yeah. Um, but when I kind of shared why I was doing it and the, and the mission we were supporting, they were, they were on board. So I was, I was very lucky to have their support. Yeah. Yeah. And just also just being able to understand that whole side of it and, you know, add it to the military side. That's, that's just a great opportunity. Um, 
Now, how do you take, you know, you have these two realms of experience, you know, and, and they're not, they're, they're similar, but they're not necessarily the same. What sure. things do you take from the civilian side and apply them to the military side? And then I'll ask you vice versa from the military side to the civilian side. That's a good so, question. So first we'll ask, you know, from the civilian side to the military side. Yeah, sure. Uh, I would say the experiences and uh, the practices that I have on the civilian side that I, I bring over to the military side, which support me, are applying a little more um, data-centric uh, approach to problem solving mm-hmm. um, and um, trying to work uh, smarter rather than harder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember when I was, you know, active duty, it was really what's the fastest way we can get this done. And just, I want to see results, results, results immediately. In, in some circumstances, it's better just to take a minute to sit back and think about it and apply yeah. some, uh, you know, look for some data, especially with really complex problem. Look, look what is the data support, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's one thing to make a slide turn green. <laughs> it's another thing to know, am I actually accomplishing what the goal is mm-hmm. um, behind the scenes? Um, so maybe uh, taking a little time, thinking a little more about the solution before executing yeah. and applying uh, a little more rigor around the data to support the uh, the course of action you're proceeding against. Yeah, um, I would say that I, I bring that from my experience uh, working in corporate over to um, what I do in the military. Um, but then vice versa, uh, I, I'd say there is some some value in the Army's no-fail mentality, right? As a logistician, um, you can never win a battle, but you can sure as heck be the reason it was lost, right? right. If, if you're not showing up with the equipment, with the fuel, with the chow, um, and a maneuver unit has to disengage because you didn't give them the support they needed, that's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do, and I have brought a, a focus on mission accomplishment and, you know, don't run into an obstacle without either going over it, around it, or under it, right? Um, that, that, that attitude that I developed in the military is really what I, th- I think I brought to working in, a, in the civilian side. So it's like you have the extreme commitment to accomplish the mission, but you don't have to only use a hammer. Right. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> there are other tools in the tool bag. There are, there are other tools and, and some of those tools might take a little longer, but you're actually probably going to see better results and um, it's going to go a little smoother in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to so, have a longer lasting impact too. Right. Right. You know, better. well, when it's better planned out, you're going to have longer, uh, better second and third order effects rather than just immediate, as you say, turn green. And those of us <laughs> kind of know what that means. <laughs> you got to get that slide turn green. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but let's have it stay green. Let's exactly. Temporarily be green until the next briefing. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so last question, I promise. Uh, what does your future look like? Uh, so I finish here uh, uh, with this organization this month. So I'll be heading back to uh, back to New Jersey and back to my full-time civilian job as a um, supply chain director with, with, with GlaxoSmithKline. Um, I'll also be going back to Army Reserve Element UCOM. Um, I've been there for uh, about a year. I'm, I'm, I'm targeting uh, finishing out, you know, a, a two-year joint tour with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm hoping to move to a, um, a battalion XO slot. Hmm. So it's, it's been really interesting operating at the, you know, um, uh, COCOM and um, national strategic level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm actually really excited about getting back to a, a battalion and yeah. actually uh, being hands-on with soldiers again. Yeah, get with the Joes. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. Sir, it's been a pleasure to have you. Uh, it's been great speaking to you, Sergeant. Uh, we wish you the best of luck in your future career and hope that you can get much needed family time while staying safe. Folks, that's it for this edition of the Leader's Corner. If you want to know more about the recently completed Operation Warp Speed or the Army Reserve's other responses to the COVID-19 pandemic, please go to usar.army.mil. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you again. Stay safe, everyone, and get vaccinated when you can. Thank you.